As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. And that is launched out to deep left field. Big fly for Mike Trout. This is ground ball to second base. Red Heagle falls down, picks it up, fires the first. The Angels have no hit. The Seattle Mariners. It's gone. Big fly for Anthony Rendon. Hey guys, I'm Alex Curry. This is Joe Adele here with the Los Angeles Angels. Brandon Marsh. This is Chris Rodriguez. You're listening to the All Angels Podcast. And welcome to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. I am Dan Garcia, and on this edition of the podcast, uh, it's a special one. I talked to OC Registers Jeff Fletcher, and if you're an Angel fan for any time now, you know exactly who I'm talking about. He's a beat writer for the Los Angeles Angels, and he's been there for for, for quite a while. Um, you probably read some of his stuff on the OC Register, but he has a new book out called Showtime, the inside story of Shohei Otani and the greatest baseball season ever played. So we talked to him about that. We talked to him about the Hall of Fame. We talked to him about a little bit about the lockout. I uh, really hope you enjoy it. And here's the interview. My next guest, you guys have probably read him, seen him on TV. Jeff Fletcher from the OC Register also has a book out. And we'll get to that in a second. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. How are you? Good, good. So like I mentioned, you have a new book out. We'll get to that in a little bit because I know a lot of Angel fans and probably a lot of international fans are going to want to uh, get a hold of it and read it. But I have to ask you this because you are the first ever um, Hall of Fame voter I've ever had on the podcast. And obviously, that's kind of the big news over the last week or so. I guess what what's your initial thoughts of what actually happened with David Ortiz getting in and, and the notables like Barry Bond, Roger Clemens not getting in on their last try? Hello, David. This is uh, Jack O'Connell with the Baseball Writers Association of America. I'm calling you from Cooperstown, New York. But you know that the baseball writers have elected you to the National Baseball Hall of Fame. Yes! Well, first of all, the way, the way I handle my ballot is I put little or no uh, weight onto the character and integrity clause, basically. Uh, I'm voting on them as baseball players because that's what we have the most evidence about, uh, about them as. You know, we don't really know what they're like as people. And plus, they continue to be people even after they are done playing Major League Baseball. So, for example, you look at uh, Omar Vizquel, right. and all of a sudden his case as a Hall of Famer changed dramatically in the last <laughs> couple of years, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense because his playing career is over. So, uh, you know, that's why I just pretty much, you know, try to not pay any attention to that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, they're just baseball players. I'm not electing them to the Supreme Court. I'm not even electing them to be, you know, kindergarten teacher, you know, right. theoretically has a higher moral threshold than being a baseball player so um basically that's where i come in that so i did vote for roger clemens barry bonds alex rodriguez manny ramirez gary sheffield david ortiz all these guys uh that being said i do understand why a lot of my colleagues or i should say 34 percent of my colleagues i also want to point that out that it's still right. a minority even though it's enough to keep them from 75 percent it is still a minority and if you get 66% in most elections, they consider that overwhelming success. But, you know, 
anyway, I digress. Uh, I do understand <laughs> why people would hold that against, you know, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens because they, they feel like they have to uh, enforce, you know, the, the word integrity and character. And, you know, that's, that's their right. That's the way they handle their vote. I don't choose to handle mine that way. Is there, and again, this is, I guess this is kind of like the flavor of the month kind of kind of like, well, with the, we saw with the NFL playoffs last week about the overtime rule and this should be changed. And maybe like, you know, a month down the road, we won't even think about it anymore, but the kind of feeling is should the voting process who's involved, how it's, you know, done, should that in your mind change at all? Or do you think it's just, you know what, it's, it is what it is right now and give it a month, give it two months. We won't even think about it again. Well, I mean, I'm not sure that, uh, there's some changes you could make that would not make a difference. And there's some changes you could make that would make a difference. I think choosing, changing the people that vote, I don't think is going to make a difference because as long as you need to get 75%, I don't think anybody you choose fans, former players, hall of famers, broadcasters, historians, there's nobody you choose that you're not going to get 25% of the people who are going to say that steroid guys should not get a hall of fame. That's just the way it is. So it's a difficult question for people in general. Now, if you want to change the threshold from 75%, make it 60% or something like that, you know, that kind of changes the whole process, but then you are going to get guys like that in. So, you know, that, that would be a change that would make a difference. So one of the guys that is up for next year's hall of fame ballot, our first time on the hall of fame ballot, I don't know if you've given any thought about next year's class, but is a guy that's close to a lot of angel fans hearts. And that is Francisco Rodriguez. And Frankie Rodriguez delivers. He's Again, I don't know how much you put into it, if you haven't even thought about it, but your first initial thought, do you believe he is a Hall of Famer, setting the saves record with the Angels and everything that he's done even throughout his career? You know, until you mentioned it a second ago, I didn't even realize he was going to be on the ballot next year. So (laughs) that tells you I've given no thought to it. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, He's certainly one of the greatest relievers of all time, but, you know, relievers have had a tough time getting in. Uh, Even, you know, Trevor Hoffman did not even get in on the first ballot. Um, You know, obviously – Billy Wagner, who is very good and who's a guy that I've considered strongly voting for, has still not made it in. Other guys like Joe Nathan were great. Joe Nathan was right there with with K-Rod, you know, in terms of his career. And he didn't get very much support this year in his first time on the ballot. So uh, it's certainly worth talking about those guys, but it is going to be difficult. Do you – how much uh, – like I know some voters will say, well, he's a Hall of Famer, but he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer, and they might not vote for him for the first year because of that. Do you th- – take any weight into that? Or is it like, if he's a hall of famer the first time on the ballot, I'm going to vote for him regardless if he's quote unquote, not a first ballot hall of famer kind of guy. You know, I think that that's a thing that maybe people did 30, 40, 50 years ago. I really don't believe that of my current generation of hall of fame voters, you know, people who have gotten their ballot in the last 20 years that people do that. Uh, I think there's certainly guys that I have not voted for and then voted for, but it wasn't because I planned to, save their vote and vote for them later. So I wouldn't vote for them on the first time. It was just because I changed my mind. So uh, I've never uh, voted no on somebody planning to vote yes on them later. So I, I really don't believe that there's any significant number of people that actually do that anymore. So obviously the big news right now in baseball, beside the Hall of Fame, is the lockout. Um, so much still kind of up in question, so much going back and forth with negotiations and all stuff. But I just want to ask you, realistically, and I get this question all the time. I don't know how to answer. Realistically, what is probably the worst case scenario for for baseball? Is it 
missing the whole season? Is it another like 60 game season? In your opinion, what's probably the worst case scenario for baseball right now? I mean, obviously missing the whole season would be terrible. Uh, missing any games would be bad. I really don't feel like that's going to happen. I think that, you know, what we've seen uh, recently shows that they're getting closer together. I mean, there's some concepts that both sides agree on, but they just don't agree on the number. For example, you know, having a bonus pool for the players who are not yet eligible for arbitration, they would give them some extra money if they're good. They have good years. That's something both sides agree to have. They just have to figure out how to do it and how much money. So I think they're getting into the same neighborhood. Uh, I think that probably we're going to end up with a whole 162-game season. Spring training may be a little shorter. Uh, maybe it's possible the season starts like a week later and they fill those other games in, you know, double headers and that kind of thing. But I'm really not concerned at all that there's going to be any kind of significant uh, change to the season. I mean, there was, a, there was a lockout in 1990, and we ended up with a shortened spring training, and the season started late, but they played the games later. I did not even remember that that happened until I <laughs> until I looked back and, and read a story about it. And I was, you know, 20 years old in 1990, so I was fully into baseball. Right. And you just, you just don't remember that those things happen. So unless you actually lose games like we did in, you know, 1981 and 1994, people aren't really going to – it's not going to matter in the long run. Do you think if they do – you kind of maybe touched on it. Do you think they'll make up – if they do miss any amount of games, they'll make it up as a doubleheader? Or do you think – They'll add on to different points. Maybe add the seat, push a season back a little bit longer. Well, I mean, it depends how many games they miss. You know, if if they start, you know, a week late, they could probably just make those games up. Either way, they could either play them as doubleheaders or they could make the season go a week longer. Um, I think if they miss like two weeks, they would start to probably not have enough time to make things up. But but I'm still, you know, as of today that we're recording this on January 28th, I still believe we're going to have 162 games. I'm sure that's that's music to a lot of baseball fans' ears, especially mine, who's trying to plan a trip out to the East Coast to see the Angels play. And I don't know if I should buy any tickets or airfare or anything like that yet. So that's definitely good to hear. So main reason why I had you on, you have a new book out, Showtime, the inside story of Shohei Otani and the greatest baseball season ever pitched or ever played. Sorry, we'll pitch and hit. Um, how did this book come about? When's the start? And and go into it. How did, how, how did you like it? Well, uh, first of all, I started writing this book in 2018 when, uh, when Otani came up as a rookie and, you know, in April, he had this sensational start and a publisher approached me and, and wanted a book just basically on his rookie season. Shohei Otani lived up to his overseas reputation and two-way ability to become the fourth Japanese born player to win rookie of the year honors. The Angels pitcher slash designated hitter was first on 25 of the writer's 30 ballots with the other five first place votes going to the Yankees, Miguel Andujar, the runner-up. And uh, I started writing that, and I wrote probably a quarter of it. And uh, and then he got hurt in June. And then the publisher was not so interested anymore. It's like, <laughs> well, now he's not a two-way player anymore, so let's just kind of put it aside. So it just sat there uh, until 2021, when all of a sudden <laughs> he's great again. The 2021 American League Most Valuable Player is Shohei Otani, a unanimous vote. And then there was more interest again, and this time it actually happened. I was able to use some of what I had previously written because it was stuff about, you know, Otani before he got to the major league. So obviously that still is relevant. Uh, but mostly I just wrote the whole thing in, in the offseason uh, following the 21 season. 
you know, you've been there, you've been covering the Angels for years now. So obviously you've been there when the recruitment of Shohei Otani was going on when you don't know he's going to New York, Seattle, Anaheim or anything like that. When that whole recruitment part started and you started hearing that name thrown around, did you ever think it was going to be what 2021 was for him? Uh, I don't think anybody really knew. I think that we had, uh, you know, he'd been a great two-way player in Japan, but I think everybody knows that the major leagues are harder than Japan, and a lot of guys that were great in Japan were not so great in the major leagues. So I think there was a significant amount of skepticism of, A, whether he could be a two-way player at all, and B, how good he could be at whatever he ended up doing. Um, And I think spring training certainly did not help any of that because he was pretty bad in spring training in 2018. But then when he came out, the season started in 2018 in May and June or uh, April and May, he was great. Uh, it's something I think that a lot of people forget is that he basically was the same player in April, May of 2018 as he was for the whole season in 2021. So this was not really that much of a fluke, you know, if you want to look at whether you can do it again, because he did do it then. He just got hurt. So uh, you definitely got the talent to do it. And uh, it's it's. I don't think anybody expected it to be this good, though. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people, like you mentioned, his first spring training and uh, out in Tempe, he couldn't really strike anyone out, and he really had a hard time hitting anything, and people were getting kind of the, oh, well, it's great to do it there. It's a whole different story here. But, you know, every player I've talked to and I bring up Otani is just, they, the first thing they mention with him is his work ethic. And to watch day in and day out how he carried himself, his work ethic is unbelievable. Um and how professional he is at things. Because that's something that stood out to you right away is just, I mean, I talked to pitchers, you know, Major League Baseball pitchers that are good pitchers, but they don't bat. But yet, you know, he's doing both. So talk about his work ethic and how much you, you've seen it. Yeah. For, I mean, first of all, uh, it takes a lot of time and effort to be good at either one of these skills that he has. And to, uh, to be able to do both of them is really incredible. And uh, another thing, like quick example, uh, in 2018, he was – he was hitting really badly in spring training. The season started and he changed his swing. He got rid of his leg kick. And um, I remember talking to Ian Kinsler, who was the Angels' second baseman at the time. And he said, you know, most of us hitters, we need to be in the cage, like practically every day, you know, for hours to get our swing the way we want it. And if we move our hands like an inch, it's like this whole <laughs> big deal that we have to spend a week, you know, figuring out. And he just comes in. He's taking obviously much less batting practice than everybody else because he's pitching. And he makes this pretty dramatic change. And then it's like, oh, yeah, there you go. No problem. Now I'm a much better hitter. And, uh, you know, he just does that on the fly. And then also if you look at 2021, he comes out in April and he's walking everybody. And it's like, okay, this is great. He's healthy. He's throwing hard. But, you know, this is not sustainable for him to be walking, you know, nine batters every nine innings. And uh, he makes a few tweaks. He changes uh, his pitch uh, repertoire a little bit. He takes a little off the fastball. And boom, now he's not walking anybody anymore. And just to be able to do that in the middle of a season is incredible. And I think that that is as incredible as the pure talent that he's got. So also another thing that comes with Otani, you know, great player on the field. But the I went to Seattle this last season, you know, the Washington Angels and the Mariners play, had my, you know, Angels jersey on. Only question I ever got from anyone that, that was there to see Seattle was has Otani come out and warmed up already, or has Otani done BP? Like they didn't care about anything else. And you, as the beat writer, one of the beat writers traveling with the team, talk about the just the fan, the fandom you see, not only at Angel Stadium, but it just seems to be at any park you go to. Yeah, I remember a couple times this year, uh, I think they were in Minnesota, and 
the Twins intentionally walked Otani, and the Twins fans booed. And the fans are booing because Otani is going to be intentionally walked. Our own fans are booing because of that. They want to see the man play. <laughs> so uh, now, granted, the Twins were not really—they were pretty bad. So it wasn't like they were really trying to win every game to to go to the playoffs. They were just there to having a good time and be entertained. But uh, but still, that shows that uh, you know fans wanted to see Otani. Uh, he was the big deal. You know, the All Star Game certainly. He was the it was Otani Fest. You know, for two days. <laughs> I think people, no matter fans of what team they are, uh, they want to see Otani. And talk about that, because I know you went with him to the to the All-Star game. That had to be something totally just different from any other All-Star game you've covered just just because of the fandom of Otani. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Um, you know, I, I do remember they have an All-Star media day every year, and they take all the All-Stars – and they put them in this big area. They, they usually do it in a big ballroom. This year they did it outdoors because of COVID. And, uh, but you can, you could walk down the aisle and you could like every player is sitting there doing interviews with, you know, whoever walks up to their table and you could just kind of walk by and listen. And like, they were all talking about Otani, like at every question <laughs> to everybody, it's like, here's Justin Turner talking about Otani. Here's Freddie Freeman talking about Otani. Here's Garrett Cole talking about Otani. You just kind of walked down the whole thing. And that was something that I had not experienced at a, previous all-star game How, how's the format of the book is it you just kind of following along is it like you know month by month kind of the new the you know the great pitching performance he had or a great hitting performance has it how's it kind of formatted uh well it's it's a fairly chronological uh description starting with you know him growing up in japan playing in the npb and then the whole process of him going from the npb to major league baseball which i think is really interesting yeah. because it was different than any other player basically in history the way that he you know the kind of confluence of events that led to the the type of recruiting battle to to get him and then it sort of goes a little more quickly through his first three years in the major leagues you know kind of the ups and downs and the injury and Tommy John surgery and then probably the whole second half of the book is just about the 21 season 2021 season and you know how he prepared himself for that uh how it was different how the angels treated him differently how he went through some ups and downs during that season, how he sort of really became a star. And we, and we do take some little side trips during the book mm -hmm. to, to look at Babe Ruth, you know, because a lot of people talk about, okay. you know, Babe Ruth is a two-way player, but Babe Ruth was a very different two-way player than Shohei Otani was <laughs> because he did not want to be a two-way player. He was just sort of a two-way player by accident on the way from switching from being a pitcher to a hitter. So it was a very different thing. Uh, we look at some of the great two-way players of the Negro Leagues, which I think you know a lot of people were unaware of. I certainly was unaware of them yeah. before researching the book. So I think that Otani's emergence gave us a good opportunity to look at those guys, and then we kind of look at the future and and like uh, you know, is this going to open the doors for other two-way players? You know, some there's some two-way players in the minors, and you know, are they going to have a chance to be Shohei Otani? And uh, I think it's probably going to be pretty hard for that to happen, but you know, we we kind of talk about it. And you kind of mentioned too the future of two way players. Angels actually signed one, a guy that has done it before, um, in the off season, Michael Lorenzen, and that's going to be interesting to see if, if you know what they can learn from each other, if anything. You know, the, the book is really interesting too because you know Otani is still kind of a question mark to a lot of people because he doesn't do a lot of press, he doesn't do a lot of stuff out for the fans to see. And do you get? Are you able to? Are we able to get like, to see the personal side of Otani, or is this going to be strictly kind of just the baseball aspect of him? I think you still get a little bit of the personal side, you know, just from really talking to his teammates and other people that know him really well. You know, they, they find out like what his sense of humor is like, what he likes to do, 
off the field. Mostly it's just, you know, get ready to play baseball again, but he does have some <laughs> things that, uh, you know, he likes video games. And <clears throat> I think we, we, I do try to, to give people a little bit of a look at, at what kind of guy he is besides what you see on the field. And is there an appearance by Ipe by any chance? Oh yeah. Ipe is in the book. Uh, <laughs> Ipe is actually all the quotes from Otani are from Ipe. So you okay. can't do the book without Ipe. <laughs> No, that's great. And I can't wait again. That is Showtime, the inside story of Shohei Otani and the greatest baseball season ever played. Um, again, 2001, um, 2021 MVP Shohei Otani is great. The biggest question now with Otani, and I want to, I'll finish off with this. Obviously, he's under contract this coming year for the Angels, and the Angels have one more year um, control, arbitration control, until he hits true free agent, uh, free agency. What is an. Well, and this question is thrown out all the time, and I don't know how anyone can really truthfully answer it. What's a contract for a guy like him, especially he's able to back up last season with another season like that this year? That is a great question. I have no idea. Uh, it's going to be a lot. <clears throat> you could start with a lot and uh, just go from there. But but you can't really compare him to say, you know, oh, well, you know, Mookie Betts got this or Fernando right. Tontis Jr. got this or even Mike Trout got this because those guys aren't two-way players. So at the same time as Otani provides – potentially more value than those other guys do. There's also a lot more risk because, you know, what if, you know, he's not a two-way player anymore, then it's a whole different question financially. So I think that probably any kind of long-term deal he's going to have is going to have some, uh, some extra clauses and triggers in it that, you know, if, if he meets these two-way standards, you know, say a hundred innings pitched and 500 at bats, he gets paid X. If he right. only does one of those, he gets paid Y, you know, something like that, because I just don't think we know. And I don't think you can, you know, when you give Mike Trout a 12 year contract, you can be pretty sure Mike Trout is going to be an outfielder for that whole time. And he's going to be right. a middle of the line of hitter with Otani. You don't know, uh, you know, you'd love to think he's going to do this forever, but uh, it's just really hard to do. And uh, I don't think anybody knows, even Otani admitted himself that, <clears throat> Although he thinks his performance is very repeatable, um, he played a lot. He played 155 yeah. games, and uh, you know I think even he concedes that there's no guarantee that he can continue playing at that volume, you know, year after year without you know breaking down. So uh, we just don't know what's going to happen in the future. I know the Angels love to keep him, and uh, I know they're they're not going to lose him because they didn't give him enough money. I'm pretty sure that's the case. <laughs> so it's really just going to be a matter of if, if Otani wants to stay, uh, you know, and if they can come up to some agreement about how to pay him. Yeah. And again, that's the fa- the fans goal. Resign Otani. You're probably going to hear that from now until it actually happens or he goes somewhere else that the fans want to keep him in house. Jeff Fletcher, again, make sure you read him on the OC Register. Uh, again, his book, Showtime, the inside story of Shohei Otani and the greatest baseball season ever played out now. Uh, where is this available? How do you get to it? And 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 whatever else you want to plug with the book. Yeah, it's uh, it's available for pre- pre-sale right now on basically anywhere where you buy books. I think Amazon is probably the easiest for most people. Uh, but if you just go into the search bar on Amazon and type Showtime, uh, S-H-O, time, and uh, maybe if you add Fletcher for me, that'll, that'll pop it right up. And uh, you can pre-order it today. Awesome, Fletcher. Thank you very much. I really appreciate uh, you taking some time out to talk about your book and just what's going on in baseball right now. All right. Thanks for having me. Today's episode of the All Angels podcast is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. 
Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection between sports and non-sports. Not only do they have the All Angels podcast, but they also have plenty of podcasts for other sports and other teams. From Chicago Bears to the Indiana Pacers, even the Atlanta Braves who won the World Series. Check out sportsdrink.org. Again, that's sportsdrink.org. Or go to Instagram and type in at sportsdrink, spelled without the vowel, so S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K, on Instagram, and follow them there. And I want to thank Jeff Fletcher again for jumping on and talking with us for a little bit. Uh, really interesting to see, first of all, the point of view of a actual baseball uh, baseball Hall of Fame voter and what his thoughts were and his mindset with it. And honestly, I agree with a lot of what he said as far as, you know, the character clause, you know, it's, it's a baseball hall of fame. There, there's character issues. I'm sure with a lot of people that we don't know, they just do a better job of hiding it. Um, so to take what they've done off the field into consideration, I think is kind of a slippery slope. Uh, are they good players on the field, off the field? You know, and then the PED guys, you you heard from him. He voted for all of them. You know, that era is so, so, so many question marks around each player. And I said it before in my last podcast, you know, to think that Barry and um, Roger Clemens were the only ones, you know, using at that time would be kind of naive. You know, for the most part, um, I feel like the the playing field was actually kind of even. You know, you feel sorry for guys that didn't use and maybe didn't get into the hall of fame um, because of that. And maybe their numbers aren't great because of that, but no one's going back and looking at those guys and saying, you know what? We should bring those guys in because just because of, you know, they seem to do it the right way and they didn't get the right numbers. So um, there's a lot of questions with the hall of fame. I think this is a conversation that's probably going to be popping up every year now with more and more of the PED guys on the ballot. But uh, it was great to hear his opinion on it and his mindset through it then obviously the lockout he believes it'll be 162 games which for i guess angel fans and baseball fans in general is a huge huge sign of relief but now it's a wait and see and hopefully by the time you hear this there'll be more news coming out about the lockout and hopefully the ending of it then finally the book again showtime uh the inside story or the inside story of Shohei Otani and the greatest baseball season ever played check it out get it pre-order it now again i'll have uh the amazon um link in the description of this podcast if you are interested again that was just fletcher from the oc register you know read his stories click on his stories help that uh process out too because he does great work covering the angels and i really appreciate him uh jumping on the podcast and talking about the book something that i think a lot of fans not just angel fans but i think a lot of baseball fans in general are going to really enjoy reading and uh taking a look at so you know that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the all angels podcast uh hope to hear from you guys uh anytime on our social media our email again it's halo underscore haven on our social media both twitter and on instagram and our email is at is all angels podcast at gmail.com again that's all angels podcast at gmail.com check it out love hearing from you guys um you know we're probably gonna do one next week too uh podcast hopefully we'll have more news something will come up and we'll talk about that so get your questions in now or start thinking about your questions so when we do it we can uh have great feedback from you guys the fans definitely rate subscribe rate review this podcast um until next time i am Daniel garcia and this is another edition of the all angels podcast 
Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.